this is Dr. April Murdaugh with the Becoming a Financially Confident Woman podcast here to talk to you about the financial concerns that I tend to see with women doctors. Uh, My practice, in my practice, I work a lot with women business owners, women physicians, and women executives in the healthcare space. And today I want to focus on women physicians because they have unique concerns Uh, when it comes to their finances, as opposed to pretty much any other group that I've worked with. And so I'm going to go through a list and we'll talk about each one of those concerns. But in my experience as a financial advisor, as an investment advisor, uh, these are the things that I hear most from my women doctors that come to see me and the ones that work with me. Uh, The first concern really is uh, student loan debt. You know, I do work a lot with residents coming out of residency and the biggest concern they have is how in the world are they going to pay their student loan debt? They graduate with a substantial amount of student loan debt and managing the debt along with their salary is a very big concern. And women in particular, so when we talk about women physicians in particular, have uh, a big concern in this regard because their pay is significantly less than their male counterparts. And so that is the number one concern that I hear from the women doctors who come to see me is how in the world am I going to get out of this student loan debt What am I going to do? And I'm going to go back through and give you some of my suggestions to combat some of these concerns, but that is the first concern. And if you're out there and you're a woman doctor, I believe you can relate to this. Um, Even if you are now out of debt, I think out of student loan debt, I, I would say that when you finish your residency, uh, you were concerned about student loan debt, how you were going to pay it off, even when you went into residency. So that is the, the first concern. The second thing that I hear most often is the gender pay gap between women and men physicians. You know, women in me- medicine, all types of medicine, often experience a gender pay gap where they earn less than their male counterparts for the same work. And, you know, addressing this is extremely important. I was at an NMA conference, the National Medical Association conference, and there was a panel talking about how women should learn how to negotiate, what they need to do to position themselves, to get what is fair to them to be fairly compensated based on their skills and based on their expertise. So addressing this pay disparity is a big concern for for physicians. And I'll talk about some things that you can do later on to deal with some of that. The other concern that I hear about a lot is balancing family and career. You know, as you get women doctors get into their careers, they find that they are overworked substantially. They spend a lot of time and a lot of hours, especially if they are hospitalists. Um, And even if they work in a practice, they find that they don't have the time for their family, between family and work, and then doing the other things that they need to do outside of seeing patients. They just 
have a really tough time balancing the family and the career. Uh, they have demanding careers. And then if they start a family, then we have another set of competing priorities. And so it's very, very cumbersome, cumbersome for them to be able to balance all of it. When they also talk about the, the cost of childcare, you know, making sure that your child is in a safe environment, you have quality care. Those are all the things that they struggle with. Now, I know that not only women doctors struggle with that. I believe that women executives have those same challenges too. But today we're talking about women doctors and they tend to work an excessive amount of hours and have very little time for rest for themselves, for self-care, as well as pouring into their family if they have one. The other concern that I find when, when women come in to see me, women doctors come to see me, is planning for retirement, uh, financial planning. Uh, they don't know how. They don't have the time to do it. Uh, it is very challenging to even sit down to begin planning because you're so overwhelmed with all that you have to do that I find a lot of them are just totally burnt out and brain dead and, and just really have a tough time planning and, and wanting to do that. So re uh, retirement planning seems to be a big struggle uh, They because they have irregular work schedules, uh, which can make sometimes long-term planning pretty complicated, especially if you're contractual, you work on contracts, things of that nature. Uh, but they have a challenge with planning for retirement, making sure they have enough for retirement and having a strategy. And so that is also a big concern. I do find that now women are investing and doing more of those things um, a lot more than they used to. I believe there was a statistic that came out in 2021 that said now um, almost 60% of women are investing outside of their retirement accounts as opposed to 44% a few years before. So we are doing more, but because of the types of contracts and because of the type of schedules that women doctors tend to have, planning when you have irregular income can be cumbersome, it can be challenging. And so that is also a struggle. One of the biggest things that I've heard from women physicians is negotiating their contracts. You know, it is really clear that women are paid less than men. And that's across all occupations. And then if we break it down to through um, ethnicities, it's even further. Women are just paid so much more less. So when it comes to negotiating contracts, you know, they really don't understand how to do it. They come out of residency, they get their first position, and a lot of times they take the first thing that is offered to them. And so no one is teaching them how to negotiate their contracts, how to really look at the contract, look at the fine print, uh, negotiate some sort of flexibility in the contract, figure out maybe how you can get out of it or what, when it ends, what, what could be your next steps. If you want to move into leadership, what that would look like. So I find that a lot of them 
have struggled with how to negotiate their contracts. And when I talk to them, they say hindsight, of course, is 2020. They wish they had negotiated. They wish had, they had done things differently, maybe getting a mentor or someone to assist them in that. But it's really important um, that they do that. And so we'll talk about some steps there. But that is also a financial concern that I hear a lot from my women physician clients that come to see me. Having appropriate maternity and family leave is also a big concern. You know, women doctors, they want to have family too, and they want to be able to pour into their family. So making sure that their contract uh, and their job responsibilities allow for maternity and family leave, um, making a plan for that, understanding their rights and their benefits as it relates to the leave as well as how it impacts their income is important. Uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, women have children and they want to spend more time with them. They want to take them to school in the morning. They want to pick them up. Uh, it is imperative that our children see us and spend time with us. And if, you know, if that's your desire, now you can have a home situation where your spouse takes on that load, but whatever the case may be, having a plan for maternity and family leave is a concern that I hear about and is something that definitely can impact your income, especially when you need to take time off for those things. So understanding your benefits, understanding what the company offers you is also important. Um, making sure is the next thing is I find too is uh, making sure they have disability insurance. You know, um, if you are hospitalist or you work for a hospital or you work for a private practice or you have your own private practice, making sure that disability is in place is important. And I find that they feel like it's important. In fact, a lot of times they don't have it in place and they're really nervous about it. In, in a residency or in school, they may offer you disability and uh, you bought this policy when you were young, but now income has changed significantly. So having something like that in place is a financial concern that I hear about. It is critical for doctors because injury or illness that prevents them from working can have a significant financial impact. So, you know, the other week, um, I had a physician that um, hurt a hand. Uh, she hurt her hand and um, thank God it was not the money-making hand. Uh, and so if it was the money-making hand, it could definitely impact the income. So being prepared for stuff like that is also a concern that I hear about. Investing is a financial concern that I hear about. Truly building wealth, um, building wealth through investing, building wealth through financial planning. They are concerned about that, making sure that as they're doing that, they have enough income, enough wealth, so that when they wanna retire, or let's just say they want to change, they want to completely pivot to another type of career or not necessarily inpatient care or not working the hours that they're working. They may want to change, move into leadership, start their own business, uh, dial down their hours. 
making sure that they have an investing and wealth building strategy, I notice is a big concern for the women that come to see me because they may want to change. You know, uh, you may start out as an OB, uh, you may start out in endocrinology or family practice and realize that family medicine and realize that, you know, I don't necessarily want to do that or I don't necessarily want to do patient care. Um, and so how can I make that change without it impacting my income so much? And even if it does impact my income, do I have an investment and a wealth building strategy in place? So that is a concern. They want to know, well, if they change, how could they do it and still be able to maintain their lifestyle? Um, the other concern is a male malpractice insurance. Um, it is very expensive for physicians. So you need to make sure, of course, they need to make sure that they have adequate coverage and that they have coverage uh, that is going to be enough and affordable for them. And, and last I hear a lot about is long-term uh, financial goals. Like, you know, I, a lot of times they want to retire way sooner than 67, which is the typical retirement age. And so they want to figure out how they can create a long-term financial strategy and uh, that will meet their goals, Well, that, that will help them to meet their goals. So, you know, long-term goals are a concern, like buying a home. Um, I work with physicians to get their finances in place to perhaps buy a home, uh, do college planning, all of those financial goals. So it, it is definitely important. Those are some of the concerns that I hear just in my time in working with them. And so how do we address those concerns? Well, let's take the first one. So student loan debt, you know, that is a big concern. And I hear all the time, not just from women physicians, but from women executives and women business owners, you know, should I pay off debt first? and then focus on my retirement. There are some financial folks out there who say you don't plan for retirement until you're completely debt free. Um, and so what I typically say to this question is, we definitely want to focus on eradicating student loan debt. So when you leave residency and you get that, that first job, and let's say it's you know a quarter million dollars a year, you get started out of residency, I always encourage that you try to live at the level of residency until you can pay off that debt. So if your salary was 70,000 or um, in residency, even if you're getting a substantial increase, try not to increase your lifestyle to that level because we want you to begin to pay off the debt when you leave. And if you do that, just a small sacrifice for maybe three years or five years, you can be completely out of student loan debt, still investing for retirement through the employer if you're, if you're going that route. And then once you're out of student loan debt, you can then buy the home that you want to purchase and the car that you want to purchase. What this really requires is delayed gratification. And I totally understand, listen, I went to school a long time. I have my doctorate. I don't have the medical training that a lot, you know, that the women physicians have, 
but spending a lot of time in school, busting your butt all of that time, and to only be told that, hey, I can't buy that $800,000 house right now, or I should hold off on the, the S-Class Mercedes or the Maserati for a few years until I'm completely out of student loan debt is not something they, they want to hear all the time. And I understand uh, your job is challenging. It's almost like a reward for you. But here's what I want you to think about. Paying off the student loans, waiting a while, paying off the student loans so that you can have the life that you want to have without the worry of, well, let's say you get into that position and you don't like it. You don't like the hospital. You don't like the hours. You want to start a family sooner than later. And now you have this lifestyle that you have to maintain that is significantly above what you started at. And now if you decide to change, have a child or pivot to, um, and you know, change your concentration to something that may not pay as much. Well, now you're stuck. So to be truly free, we're going to have to live your life, dial your lifestyle down just a bit until you can achieve that objective. And I know that is hard to hear. Right? I understand that it's challenging to hear. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do nice things and you shouldn't live in a nice place and you shouldn't drive a nice car. I am saying that to move into that lifestyle immediately because you have this big salary when you finish your residency training is not a wise thing. It is important that you sit down with someone, look at the debt and develop a debt elimination strategy and start implementing that strategy before you start upgrading your lifestyle. And a lot of people don't wanna hear this. I am really sorry, but I promise you, if you wait three years, four years, and focus on paying off the debt, then you can move and live the life you wanna live and you won't be chained to the employer. You will have the freedom and the flexibility. So if they get on your nerves, if you don't like the concentration, if you wanna make a move, you can make a move and not have to worry about the fact that you have a huge house payment or a huge car payment to pay. A lot of times doctors buy homes and they have physician doc loans and those doc uh, physician loans, excuse me, uh, mortgage loans, they say, well, you don't have to put anything down, but your interest rate will be a little bit higher than the regular interest rate. And they do that and you move into the house or you can, um, you know, get some sort of arm interest rate and they predict that your income will go up exponentially. And so does the ability to buy the home that you want now and anticipate that you'll be able to pay it when the time comes. And so those, those physician doc loans, they sound really nice, but they're not necessarily the best thing to do all the time. You want to make sure that you don't have any student loan debt. And I know it can seem crazy. It's like some of the debt is $300,000 of student loan debt. And I understand, I believe that uh, if you sit down with someone and craft a plan to pay it off without significantly increasing your standard of living, 
you will feel the free. You will have the financial freedom that you want to have without being in a chokehold of having to stay in a place that you hate because now you have all of these large expenses plus the student loan. The other thing is, of course, we talked about the gender pay gap. And you know, that goes down, uh, it's combined with uh, not negotiating, right? And so we understand that there is a significant gender pay gap between men and women physicians. It is abundantly clear. Women know it going into the industry, right? I'm not saying it's something that we should accept, but I do say that as a woman going into the industry, you should do things like do some research on the uh, the type of medicine that you plan on practicing. Get mentors in the in, in the specific field that you want to practice in. Get a good understanding of what a fair and reasonable offer what fair and reasonable compensation looks like and then negotiate you know go in and negotiate um i've heard them say all the time if i were to do it over again i wouldn't take the first contract that i was offered or the first offer that i received i would do my due diligence i would do my research i would negotiate i would go on other interviews and i would get other offers before I took the first one. So my advice is is not from me because I haven't experienced that, but from the women physician clients of mine, they say that don't take the first one, take your time, negotiate, do your research, understand what fair and equitable pay means. The other thing is balancing the family and career. We talked about that and understanding how to make that balance. Uh, that, that really goes into your contract, right? Understanding your contract thoroughly so you know what type of family leave do you have? What type of maternity leave do you have? What type of flexibility can you have? You know, I heard a story where a woman said that she was not, she really wanted to take her child to school in the mornings and she didn't ask for a long time. Her employer, could she come in? I believe it was at 830 as opposed to eight o'clock or 730 because she wanted to be the one who dropped her child off at school. Finally, she talked to a mentor and the mentor told her, just ask, just ask. Sure enough, she asked and they said, absolutely. And so she could pick her child up, I mean, drop her child at school in the morning and she felt so much better. She actually was way more productive. Her, her view on her position and on her work changed just because she was able to do something that was important to her, a value system for her. So making sure that you understand what those benefits are understand what those family, uh, what your family values are, right? What are some things that are non-negotiable for you? And then how can you talk with your employer about adjusting things so it can be flexible for you to be able to do those things that are important to you? If it's drop your child at school, if it's having lunch with them on Fridays, if it's picking them up from school, 
whatever it is for you, develop what those values are, those non-negotiables are. And then as you're approaching looking at employment and negotiating and reading contracts, get a good understanding of what they offer and then have a conversation with them about, well, these are my values and this is something I would like to be able to do. And that can also play into whether you feel like this employer is a good employer for you as you're looking. So understanding what they offer as far as your family is concerned, maternal, family leave, all of those things is, is extremely important. And I say communicating and not being afraid to communicate. Listen, you've done all this education. You've gotten all this education, all of this knowledge. You're good at what you do. And a, an employer will be and can be flexible for you. Do not take the, the mindset. And I've been heard, I've heard this from people. Hey, like I'm new. I don't know. I'm just getting my first gig and I can't negotiate. I can't ask these questions. And that is so not true. I believe if you are truly in touch with your values, if you truly know what is important to you, important to your family, what things you need to feel uh, balanced and, and okay with yourself, then you need to express that to your employer. And it's always good to do it on the front end so everyone has clear knowledge of what each one another's expectations are. So I do say, yes, you know, understanding how that works, taking the time to figure out what those, those benefits are is extremely, extremely important. You know, I do a workshop called uh, the five biggest mistakes women make with their money. And one of the biggest mistakes that I find is that women don't negotiate. I mean, we don't. And statistically, they say that, well, the reasons why they say they don't negotiate is because uh, they're nervous. Uh, no one taught them how to negotiate. They have fear that they will not get the position if they negotiate. Uh, you know, in, in some worlds, if you're a minority woman, you may be seen as hard and, and you know, you have this negative connotation towards women who negotiate, um, but that is so wrong. And guess what? It doesn't matter what they think about you. If you are negotiating and you have done your due diligence and you know what the, the industry calls for and you know your work ethic and your history, then negotiating for a salary that is fair and equitable is your right. Do not give up your rights. Do something to get over the fear. If that means getting a mentor, getting a team of mentors, getting a support system to encourage you, getting the knowledge and the education. You know, I find that when you get educated, when you get knowledge, you feel more confident. So getting the knowledge you need, the education you need to understand the, the uh, position that you're going to go into, what it calls for is important. So do your research, prepare yourself, but girl, go out and ask for what is rightfully yours. 
because we don't negotiate. There was another article I read some time ago that said something like men will apply for a position if they only have like 60% of the skill set on the position. So all the responsibilities that the position requires, if they have 60% of it, they'll apply for it. That's how confident they are. But we women, we look at everything and we feel like we have to have 100% of the experience that the job calls for before we will even apply. And that is so wrong. You know, in fact, we outshine our male counterparts in positions. So critiquing yourself to the point where you feel that you have to be able to do everything that the position calls for is what holds you back. I say negotiate, apply, excuse me, I say apply for the position and we always figure it out. Now that doesn't mean be reckless, okay? We don't want you out here being like the guy who shouldn't be in the op shouldn't have been in the operating room. He was operating on people and he should have been a researcher and he was paralyzing folks. I'm not saying being that extreme, but you guys know what I'm talking about. You have the skill set. You know what to do. You can do the position. Don't shortchange yourself. Don't over critique what you think you can do. Apply for the position. Do your research and make sure you negotiate. They say that over the life of a woman, she leaves almost five hundred thousand dollars of investable assets on the table because she doesn't negotiate so men negotiate immediately when they walk into a position but we don't and that's where we leave money on the table now does it mean that you're going to negotiate and get everything you want no but i'm sure that either you won't get what you stay started out with and if so, then you have to decide, do you really want to take that if they're lowballing you? But really and truly, if you take the time to do the research and if you know your skill set and you know who you are and you're in touch with your abilities, you should negotiate. Don't take the first thing that you're offered. So that's my, my soapbox. Um, and I, I see women do it all the time in all professions. Heck, I have done it before and learned my lesson. But I tell you, I will negotiate. And if you're a woman physician and you own your own practice, the same thing goes. Negotiate. Make sure that you are not just taking what they give you because it's just the way it is. It's the gender pay gap. And, and we know men are paid more than women. So that's, it is what it is. No, don't, don't do that. Don't settle for that. The next thing is disability insurance. Um, I mentioned earlier about, you know, someone who, who hurt their hand, but it wasn't their money-making hand. You know, there are things that can happen to you um, that can stop your ability to make money. If you're a surgeon and you get arthritis, then there your ability to earn income stops. If you don't have the proper amount of disability insurance so that you can get 60 to 70% of your income, 
for not being able to perform your specific occupation, then you're losing out. Even if you have disability at work, there are times and there are some situations where you can get outside disability as well and kind of combine it. If you are self-employed, you must have a disability insurance policy. Listen, you are your biggest asset. If you cannot make money, right? If you can't perform, then it can't happen. Let's say, you know, something happens to you and you don't die. For instance, my mother at the young age of 49 had a stroke. And this stroke was so debilitating that she was unable to fully use the left side of her body. So her left hand and her left arm was not really usable. What if something were to happen to you like that? You Would you be able to practice at the capacity that you currently practice? Probably not. So having disability insurance in place to shore up the income that you would lose is extremely, extremely important. This is not something that you should be without. So I encourage you to make sure that you have that so that you can protect you, your biggest asset. And then lastly, you know, investing in wealth building. You know, I find a lot of times that physicians, they may participate in their company's 401k plan, uh, but they're not sure how much should they contribute so that they can retire maybe sooner than they want to retire or retire at the lifestyle that they want to retire at. And so understanding how much you should invest, how long you should invest, at what rate and what products you should be investing in so that you can meet your financial goals is extremely important. So focus on, you know, building wealth through smart investing, through financial planning, making sure you do that is important. So seeking guidance, right? Seeking mentorship, seeking the help of a professional to do that with you and to navigate that world is important. Even if you know how to do it, you know, it's always good to get a, a non-biased team in place, somebody outside of you to kind of help you navigate. So always having a financial planner, an attorney, an estate planning attorney, a CPA, those people should be a part of your core network to help you meet your financial goals. Whether those are short-term goals of buying that house once you pay off the debt, whether it's a goal of working with you to pay off the debt, creating a budget, developing um, an, an investment account, developing the college funding goals for your family. Uh, you want to make a car purchase, it's developing a plan for that. Having a team in place to help you do that is extremely essential. So those are the main concerns that I hear of when women physicians come to talk with me. And those are the things that we work together on as a team. Um, I'll call their CPA, we'll get on the phone together and we figure out, well, how can, how can we create a tax planning strategy? What is the investment strategy? 
if the 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 uh, physician may want to take some time off having their child how can we plan to have a pot of money to do that so that they will not be stressed even if they go back to work and they may work less hours how can we make sure that they have the resources that they need to maintain their lifestyle so those are the financial concerns those are some of the suggestions that i i suggest when working with clients that are in that industry i say making sure that you have a team is extremely important and if you need help with that of course seeking the guidance and advice of your financial advisor uh, your cpa your estate planning attorney those folks are important if you don't have anyone like that and you want to build a team the first step is finding people that you have synergy with uh, i believe this process is a very private and vulnerable process uh, you are completely exposed when you talk about your finances um, a lot of women physicians that come to me do not feel that they have saved enough, that they put away enough for retirement. Uh, they, they are so busy working and working and earning money to take care of their family that they're not really focused on how much they need and, and they don't even have a plan in place. If that is you and you want to talk with someone, I'd be more than happy to speak with you. In the show notes of this podcast, you can click the link and schedule a complimentary consultation. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. Listen, these are some of my suggestions based on my conversations and me working with women physicians, the financial concerns that I see and I hear from them. And these are some of the suggestions and things that I believe if you implement them, you can overcome some of those concerns and you can develop a financial life and get the financial confidence that you need and you want to live the lifestyle that you deserve. Take care. Bye.